Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Hollywood Godfather. And the man who helped me create the book, my partner and co-host, Pat Piccarelli, right here. Good evening, everybody. So nice to be here. So nice to be anywhere. I'm getting old, man. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, tonight, uh, we have uh, an interesting show. As you know, or maybe you don't know, for those of you who just joined us, we uh, take our... Uh, emails very seriously that we get from our subscribers and all and our listeners and we get a lot of show ideas uh from you guys and we appreciate it. and a lot of them are very interesting uh we got one this week from a listener his name is uh eddie scotto eh, eh, pardon me eddie soto who uh commented on the uh mal monroe netflix documentary uh which johnny and i spoke about i guess about six episodes ago uh, but we we just commented on the fact that uh, there's a Marilyn Monroe documentary on uh, Netflix, and we talked about what the documentarian, his name was uh, Summers, I believe it was George Summers, uh, what he had to say about Marilyn Monroe's death. We didn't add in our two cents, so to speak, about what we uh, about our our critique of his investigation. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, we uh, we thank Eddie Soto for uh, for bringing that up. Your Eddie, your check is in the mail. <laughs> well, you I, you know, Pat, um, we were very uh, how could I say very careful on what we wrote about Marilyn in our book over three years ago, and because of you know our publisher and indemnifying everybody and and even their parent company. Macmillan out of London, when you start talking about Marilyn Monroe and mentioning the Kennedys, and most people would run away from it. But this is a deep-seated hurt with me because I was a young kid, and I met her at a different level than most people, me being because I was young and very vulnerable. And we How had, young were you? I was 15. That's young. That's young. Yeah, that's, I was once fifteen. You know, oh, that's what people yeah. tell me. I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember that far back. No, but the thing—the yeah. thing that the the parallels that when I finally met, I met her because I was caught by it for people who don't follow us or read the book. I was caught by a truant officer on the streets in New York. I was fifteen and a half to be exactly when it was in July in the summer months, and he wanted to know why I wasn't in school, and I said, "Well, you know." I don't go to school. He said, well, how old are you? I said, I'm 15 and a half. He said, well, you got to go to school. So he gives me a ticket. And I was on the way. It was in front of Lindy's. I'll never forget it. And I was on the way to Toot Shores to see Mr. Costello and everybody there. I used to love going there 4 o'clock in the afternoon because it was like all every celebrity that meant anything, Joe DiMaggio. In fact, that's the first time I saw Marilyn in person was there with Joe, Joe DiMaggio. And Jackie Gleason was doing a show right around the corner from the Gleason studio, which was a Letterman studio, and now it's a Colbert studio. They keep renaming it. <laughs> they keep renaming the studio. But with that said, 
So I walk in, and I had like $5,000 that Costello told me to pick up and bring to, to him for some reason. I never asked. And I walk in with the ticket in my hand, not realizing, you know, I still had the ticket in my hand, and he took it. And he said, what's this? I said, it's a ticket. And I didn't get the joke because, you know, he said, "What? Well, how'd you get a ticket? Walking too fast? And everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. laughed. <laughs> and then he realized it was a truant ticket, and he said, how, how long are you working for me? I said, a couple of years. He said, we well, got to go to school. Long story short, he set it up. I go to Wilford Academy on top of Lindy's, and uh, one day these two guys come in, Kenneth and Mark Sinclair, and they the, the, were looking the, for shampoo boys. The, the, so the Wilford Academy was a beauty school. A big, a beauty school, yeah, yeah, where you can go, and they said, he said, just sign in. You know, just sign in and leave. Don't worry about it. In six months, you're done. But when I got there, 9 o'clock in the morning, there's 20 or 30 little girls, beautiful little girls. So he asked me one, one morning when I showed up, he said, where have you been every morning? I said, been to school. He said, you don't have to go there. I said, Mr. Costello, I said, you know, there's 20, 30 girls there every day. <laughs> Before I come over here, I go see them. He started laughing. But that's how I got to meet Marilyn, the fourth head of hair at Lily Dashay, was her head of hair. And then she started requesting me, because I don't want this to be about how we met, but she started requesting me. I got to know her, only to find out when I was in Bellevue for polio and I got out at 12, she, at 12 years of age, was in, in a, uh, a, 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 reform, um, a home, a, a foster home. Yeah, okay. Yeah. In, uh, in, in, in the valley, outside of... Warner Brothers Studio. So I would look out my window and see the Empire State Building because that was the biggest building in New York at the time. And me coming from Mulberry Street, everything down there was five or six stories. She looked at the water tower and said, someday I'm going to be at the studios. Like I said, someday I'll be uptown. And that's how it started. It was just a very innocent thing, only to find out Marilyn gave of herself physically meaning her body, because that's all she thought she had. That's all. That, she that's had so such sad. a low esteem. But, you know, the, the, at, you know it isn't, this isn't even arguably. She was the biggest star in the world. Oh, no. And still and is. She didn't, and she, she's more famous dead than she was alive. But, uh, you know, she didn't think of herself in that light. She thought herself inadequate. Right. Exactly. And, 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 and to prove her, her worth, she just... Gave herself away to anybody who wanted her. And that, that's a pity. And you know, the sad part about it, I mean, I, I would never say that if they were still alive, but, you know, when I did uh, Lepke with Tony Curtis, he spoke openly about her because I told him how many times I saw something like it hot. He was the co-star. Yeah. And then he went into great detail of how crazy she was, which bothered me. And the same thing, I mean, even Sinatra and certain people, Marlon Brando, everybody I happen to know, was with her, yeah. and it, it it again was like she was my friend. They, they bothered. Why, why didn't they protect her, not abuse her? And then we well, get into the Kennedys. Hello, oh my God. Well, this is this is the the uh, the crooks of the documentary. Mal Monroe, for those of you who don't know, 
died under mysterious circumstances, 36 years old, at the height of her career, and she turns up dead one day in her house in uh, Brentwood. Uh, and the cause of death has been debated all these years, and many books have been written about her. Books have been written about her death. Uh, there's been uh, movies about her uh, since she passed away. And there's always been this question hanging in the air. How did Mal Monroe die? And, you know, we started talking about the Kennedys there. We got away from it. Uh, uh, the Kennedys were, of course, very well revered back in the in, in the 60s. Camelot and all this, the, 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 they were the perfect family men. Now we know through documented history that uh, they were not what they seemed to be. Not that anybody really is, but they, they, they put on a hell of a show. These guys, particularly JFK and his brother, Robert Kennedy, loved their women. They had numerous affairs. I mean, constant women in and out of the White House. Uh, Marilyn was one of them, and they were they were both uh, having sex with her at the same time. Well, not at the same time, but they were both having uh, sex with her during the same time period. And uh, she was used by them. And this is, you know, this isn't fiction anymore. This has been brought out in uh, congressional hearings, what the Kennedys did, how they were involved trying to kill Fidel Castro how uh, uh, Sam Giancana helped uh, John Kennedy win the presidential election. This is in the congressional record. So this is in rumor, facts, scuttlebutt, whatever you want to call it. So now we get to the documentary. guy by the name of Anthony Summers. I called him George. I'm calling everybody George today. Anyway, uh, Anthony Summers is a well-respected author and documentarian. So after being uh, inactive for quite a few years, he decided to release his uh, Mal Monroe tapes, audio tapes of people he interviewed for a book on Mal Monroe that he never wrote. All right. Uh, but he still has over 80 hours of live interviews with, uh, with people uh, who he interviewed uh, that knew her. Uh, and at the time of her, of her death, ambulance attendants, psychiatrists, doctors, everything. He had this all on tape and he came to a conclusion after this, the, uh, the documentary, if you haven't seen it, it's 106 minutes. It's well done. I'm not saying it's accurate, as we will discuss shortly. It's well done. Uh, he, he, he came up with a system. Now, he had these audio tapes, but the people who he interviewed are long dead. So what they did for the uh, 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 dramatic portion of the documentary was hire actors, put them in contemporary dress, how people were dressing back then, and made them these people who he interviewed. And they lip-synced the audio tape that Anthony Summers had. It was extremely well done. You actually thought you were listening to the people that he that he interviewed back in the 80s. That's fabulous. Uh, and that, what that, a great that, idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. It was, it was well done from that aspect. Uh, good cinematography, uh, good production values. But now let's get to the facts of the case. He ends the, the documentary. And by the way, documentaries, I got a thing with, with, with documentaries. Documentaries, to me, are for entertainment purposes. They're not, you know, you have X number of uh, uh, minutes, in this case, uh, 106 minutes, to try and explain a, a very, very complex case. And to present all the evidence is virtually impossible. So you pick and you choose what's going to draw an audience. All documentaries are like this, every last one of them. They have a point to prove, and they're going to prove it. They're not balanced. 
they're, they're there for entertainment purposes and they want to show uh, their their uh, their viewers their conclusions, not necessarily everyone's conclusions. That said, Anthony Summers ends the documentary by saying, I did not find out anything, and I emphasize the word anything, that convinced me that Marilyn Monroe had been deliberately killed. Because this was one of the theories. What? That she was, delib- she was deliberately killed, or she committed suicide, or she accidentally overdosed and died. Those three theories have been being bounced around for many years. He didn't find any evidence, he says, that showed that she was deliberately killed. Now, Gianni and I know differently, and the public has been getting bits and pieces of historical fact about the Kennedys through the years, which adds up to having doubt that they were not involved in her death. Uh, Gianni, you can expand on some of this stuff. Well, the thing is that, you know, uh, the, the, the last weekend of her life, I, w- I went up at, for Frank Costello, as I did so many times, to Cal Neva, to our audience who don't know what that is. Cal Neva is a resort on the California-Nevada borderline, and it was um, a hangout for the most prominent gangsters, movie stars, and whatever, for years and years and years. And we were invited up there by Sam Giancana, who now has taken over the duty to finally push John Kennedy in doing what he said he was going to do if they all got him elected. Them all, they all are union heads, hoteliers, anybody that had big dollars and anybody that was controlled directly or indirectly by the mob. And that's how a Catholic boy, John F. Kennedy, was elected. And who asked the favor was the father with Frank Costello, who during the 30s, during Prohibition, they amassed millions, hundreds of millions of dollars together. And he presented to Costello, if my son gets in, his first act of duty would be to throw Fidel Castro out of Cuba because they were saying there were missiles there. And that would be it. So we all know he got elected. And big mistake well, he made. He, he, he appoints Robert Kennedy, attorney general. I know. He was a mob hater. And, and a father, father's friends hater. Anybody that had to do with the father, the father hate, the son hated the father. So anyway, so, so uh, the Kennedys betrayed, they went back on their word to the Chicago outfit that once John Kennedy gets into office, they're going to lay off the mob, basically. And from day one, they were very, very vocal about going after the mob. And this pissed off the mob. Anyway, so that's where we are. Mal Monroe uh, is, is having uh, relationships with both Kennedy brothers. And apparently they like to talk. Now, Anthony uh, Summers, when he comes to this conclusion that uh, he doesn't see, find out anything that he can see that indicates that Marilyn Monroe was killed. Practically, at the beginning of the documentary, he specific he, uh, he says that specifically, Bobby Kennedy was concerned with Marilyn's potential to cause a scandal enveloping both brothers. The sound bites chosen from various sources that we heard in this documentary uh, were that 
uh, Mal was playing with fire, that we can't deal with Mal Monroe anymore, and she was raising a stink uh, because they, they, were, uh, they stopped returning Marilyn's calls after John gets in the White House, RFK's uh, uh, the, the head cop of the United States, basically. He's the attorney general. They wanted nothing to do with, with Marilyn Monroe, and she started to get pissed because they just you know, passed her off to the side, and that was it. So Summers, to lead viewers away from this, he did he did everything possible to demean uh, 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 to demean Marilyn, call him a, a slut, a whore, crazy, a drug addict, one who'd used sugar daddies to get ahead, and that's a quote uh, that she was in another quote animal like uh, quote a communist, and one who enjoyed orgies, orgies, orgies. Orgy was a friend of mine, by the way. Anyway, orgies <laughs> with both Kennedy brothers. Uh, this is what he said. This is what was elicited from the tapes. This is live, in-person interviews with these people who were uh, explaining what the Kennedys thought of Mal Monroe. Well, let me play. Let me ask you. I'll play devil's advocate. Are they saying that she had an orgy with both brothers at the same time? That's what an orgy is. Well, yeah, it could be. Yeah, that's what that, that that's what they're saying. Which that never happened. But, but but no, but the, but they're also saying that she was crazy, a slut. She had sugar daddies. She didn't need sugar daddies. No. And Mal Monroe, she didn't uh-huh. need money. That's the definition of a sugar daddy. Right. Someone who supports you. She could be supporting them. I mean, anyway, Mal's right to, to privacy. This is something else now. Prominent in this documentary are interviews with a Dr. Greenson, who was Marilyn's psychiatrist. Now, this is privileged information. And some people, well, she's dead. Well, the, the privilege still continues after death. And this psychiatrist went against the, the ethics of his profession by talking about everything and he talked about, that, that Marilyn and he spoke about. He would have been, the guy's long dead now, of course, but I mean, this, was, this interview was, was taken in the 80s. When uh, you know if 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 Anthony Summers would have and he's on his, tape and Anthony, on tape saying and Anthony Summers was doing the interview, yeah, you're right okay. with this with this psychiatrist. Anything that Marilyn told him was on this tape. She, he just went on about her problems, uh, pillow talk, everything else. If these tapes would have been released in the eighties, uh, this psychiatrist—it was a psychologist, it was a psychiatrist, which means he's an MD. He would have been, he would have had his license taken away and he would have been drummed out of the court, if not sent to jail. This guy just kept on talking. He uh, talked to, uh, Summers talked to uh, to Greenson's wife. She released uh, a, a lot of information about Marilyn. Marilyn never gave him permission to use any of this. Now, it goes without saying that while she's alive, of course, she's not going to give permission. Right. But people do give permission after death that certain things can be released from certain people who are obligated to keep their mouth shut. Well, she never did that. Uh, and he talked anyway. Uh, and these were taken right from Greenson's notes. Well, the interesting thing about all of that and everything, did it, did it ever come up in the documentary? Because... 
what 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 we saw happen that last Saturday up in Calneva when Sinatra took her aside and asked her to do her friends one more favor, that's when she started screaming, got very boisterous, that we all heard what the conversation was. Unbeknownst to most of us, they wanted her to go to her cabin with Robert, who was up there. Robert came specifically because he was told to, and he came with his father. His father was in a wheelchair. John never showed. But they were trying to set up Robert with Marilyn one more time, and they had the room set up as they did when they blackmailed J. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover well, as a cross-dresser. Know, Johnny, if, if JFK would have showed up, what they wanted to have was a threesome on film. Well, I don't know if that would have happened, but any one of them they needed yeah. with her. And so they, so they were betting their odds on who. But they didn't know, and I think our audience heard it one more time from me on the show, she was so distraught because six weeks prior to coming that Saturday, she aborted Robert's kid. She got pregnant, and he forbid her. Obviously, he was already having children with Ethel. He's an attorney general, and he's having you know, an affair with his brother's mistress, and now he impregnated her. So once she said, I'm going public, I'm done with these Catholics with all their bullshit, basically, we knew she was dead. Not me personally, but when I came home and I told Costello what went on, he said, they're going to kill her. And sure you have to understand, the audience has to understand, too, this was 1960. Yeah. You know, and and uh, the, 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 the morals are far from the same as, as, as they are now. This would have happened now. Somebody would have said, oh, the president's brother knocked up a, a, an actress. Big deal. Then right. it was a big deal. He was our first Catholic president, and the aura that they tried to present was of the perfect family men, and obviously they weren't. But what happened here was Summers, Anthony Summers revealed the, the mindset of Mal Monroe uh, using Greenson's conclusions based on their privileged communications. You didn't hear Marilyn's voice on these tapes. You heard Greenson's voice saying whatever he his, wanted about her. Well, his conclusions about what Marilyn was, uh, and and she has no way to defend herself. Uh, and nobody takes exception to this, you know. Uh, uh, and 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 how it, you know this 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 goes on. Uh, Really, Dorothy Kilgallen comes into this, and she was a, a, a famous columnist. She was also on a uh, on a TV show in the series called uh, What's, What's My, My Line. Line? Yeah, uh, I she knew was her. First female uh, newspaper columnist that literally had worldwide attention. She went everywhere and, and anywhere. She was fearless. She was going after the mob. Any story, uh, it didn't make a difference how dangerous it was. She was going after it. Uh, she died shortly. Uh, after the Kennedy assassination, but that's a whole other episode. But anyway, she saw Marilyn three days prior to her death. No, uh, pardon me, two days prior to her death. And Dorothy writes in her column, and I'm, I'm quoting here, two days before her death, was she supposed to be so despondent, so strung out, so so tired of living? And this is what Dorothy said. They were close friends. Marilyn's health must be improving. She's been attending select Hollywood parties and has become the talk of the town again. 
In California, they're circ- circulating a photograph of her that certainly isn't bare as the famous calendar, because she posed nude at one time. But it's very interesting. And, and she, she's cooking up, the, cooking up the sex appeal department, too. She's proven vastly alluring to a handsome gentleman who was a bigger name than Joe DiMaggio was in his heyday. You know who she's talking about? It's Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so don't write Marilyn off as finished. Yeah. Professionally, she's talking. This is Dorothy Gallant talking. So don't write Marilyn Monroe off as finished professionally. Plus, she had uh, a a uh, Broadway play in the works. So Marilyn's dream was to be on Broadway because that's where. You get the most accolades as an actor. There's no... Uh, yeah, you get recognized by your peers that you yeah, know and what you're There's no 47 takes. I mean, this is live. This, right. is, this, is, this is live theater. And she always wanted to be on Broadway to show her acting chops. And she was a great actress. You saw the, her, her, her last couple of movies, The Misfits, uh, even some like It Hot. Was, she was just a great... Well, the year, great the year she spent in New York, and I was seeing her off and on in her spare time... She was studying with Strasberg down you can on see the Street Studio. Uh, uh, you can see the range of her acting between Some Like It Hot, which I've watched, I can't tell you how many times, uh, which was a comedic role, to The Misfits was heavy dark drama, the switch, the, what, what she was capable of doing. Right. And she wanted to further uh, cement this reputation by doing Broadway. So she gets a Broadway offer, uh, which was her dream. Uh so the real story really hasn't been told. You know, she she has finally gotten to the pinnacle of her career where she's going to be on Broadway. Every actor's dream. So she goes and kills herself. No, let's she... celebrate by killing myself. No, and, and and at that time, you know, I was seeing, I saw her personality change, and we were friends. We weren't lovers. She realized, I mean, the difference in our age, and my thought is that she was going back to Joe DiMaggio because they, they started seeing each other again and he liked the idea that she wasn't going to be the sex symbol anymore. Yeah. And, and uh, she, called Joe, she called Joe DiMaggio that Saturday night uh, up in San Francisco and Joe DiMaggio called Sinatra and said, what's going on over there? And Sinatra he, he, said, mind your own business and he hung up on him. I think if, if Joe DiMaggio, Ian Calton, even, if Joe DiMaggio showed up to get her out of there, it would have been a whole different story. A whole different story. But anyway, uh, Anthony Summers doesn't talk very much about Eunice Murray. Eunice Murray was Marilyn's housekeeper of many, many years. Right. Uh, Eunice had a lot to say about moving of the body and everything, but we talked about that in the last show we did. So we're not going over that again. What he leaves out is Eunice Murray in her own book, uh, Marilyn, The Last Months on page 122. It reads, at least one thing is obvious on Friday, August 4th. That's the day before her body was discovered. Marilyn had no somber plans to end her life. There was too much to look forward to. And this is not just an employee. This Hello. is like a member of the family. She was she like, was yeah. Forever. And her and Eunice, I mean, they, they spent hours together. Hello. And her dog, she had, like her dog, Marilyn's dog, Math, right. was a, uh, a, a member of the family. She loved this dog to death. Right. You, and any dog lover, you know, you, you're not going to, you're going to, if you're going to kill yourself, you're going to 
make plans. Tell you uh, at least. Yeah. You know, I did. I, I got a bunch of college degrees, and, and one of my degrees is a is a is a master's in criminal justice. I did a master's thesis on suicides, and I'm very familiar with it. And one of the last things a suicide will do in most cases is start giving stuff away and and uh, taking care of what has to be taken care of. And in this case, it would have been her dog. What, what a, a simple matter of giving her dog to somebody and say, could you watch this dog for tonight? Something, nothing. She just winds up dead in, in her bed face down. Uh, it's, it's, it's just out of character for her. No, at that uh, time, and like I said, you know, it she was vivacious, happy. Everything was going her way. She got to play, and she was very close to Strasburg's kid. They were up. She was. She'd leave the city every weekend, go to their house, and she was preparing to be a big movie star, a legitimate okay, so movie with, star. So let's deal with the uh, with the other possibility that she accidentally killed herself with pills. What do you think about that? Was she a pill head? I don't know. You know. She was everything. I mean, that, that's the whole problem with her. So, so the possibility, so, I think the Kennedys took advantage of. Because okay, there, there was a lot of pills around. It, it's known. And even in this documentary, uh, uh, he, he mentions that, that Kennedy was in L.A. at the time. And it was, he doesn't specifically say that he, uh, Kennedy, uh, Robert Kennedy, was in her home. But there was an, a big argument and it was Secret Service people there, so obviously it was Robert Kennedy. It was a, a big argument in the morning uh, of, of, of the day she died, and then he he leaves and tries to get as far away from her as possible. And later later on that day, she, she's found dead. Well, I know, but I'm saying the fact that in the first story, he was he said he wasn't even in California. Well, he couldn't deny that for too long. Well, I know that, but, the, but I mean. Uh, a cop in L.A. pulled over Peter Lawford on Sunset Boulevard, and he was in the car. And, and for those of you who didn't uh, listen to our episode on on the day of her actual death, uh, listen to it. Because, I mean, there's so much uh, documentation, interviews with ambulance attendants. Her body was discovered in, in the morning, 1030 a.m., and uh, they released to the press that she was found dead in bed at 3 o'clock. In the meantime, they had driven her to the hospital. She was alive according to the hospital attendant, who's on tape, by the way. This is one of us. Uh, they, interviewed the, they interviewed that guy. They interviewed, he's on tape. You can listen to it on, on, a, on a documentary. He says she was alive in that ambulance, and she died in the ambulance. And I was ordered to turn that ambulance around and bring the body back to her house. So they start to create the, the, the story that, that, that she died alone. Here's the point, uh, getting to the end of this. Uh, there was... A reopening of the case in 1982, and not too many people are aware of this, but they reopened the case because of all the uh, conjecture about, about how she died. The L.A. ADA, Assistant District Attorney John Minor, assigned to the case, who was an actual observer at the autopsy, says, and I'm quoting here, it was highly improbable Marilyn deliberately killed herself, since, among other things, she had plans and expectations for the immediate future. And then they let it go. <laughs> it's, just amazing. It go. it's amazing. I mean, I mean, the whole, I mean, it has to someday. I don't know how, because look, look how many, every, everybody's contradicting each other, but all the facts 
lead to one thing. Well, they, they, you know, they, they already reopened the case once in 82. I don't care if somebody went to the L.A. County Courthouse and threw himself on the steps of the court with a lock of Marilyn Monroe's hair in one hand and a hypodermic needle in the other and say, I killed Marilyn Monroe. I injected her with this. Here's her hair to prove it. They still wouldn't reopen it. It's done. Really? I'm exaggerating there, but I mean, it's done. And nothing you can say or do is going to accomplish anything opening up a 55-year-old case. They're not going to do it. But even for somebody like this? No, they're not going to. There's always they're going to say there's always some nut that's going to going to come up. You know, you're, you're dealing dealing now with with a a very jaded uh, populace in this country that doesn't believe anything anymore. They don't believe the politicians. They don't believe anything. And somebody's going to come along and say, "Well, I was the one that really killed Marilyn Monroe." No one's going to really pay attention. There's no one's going to spend the money to open up this case, and it's, it's over now. And what? What the Kennedys were, were, were mainly concerned about was pillow talk. They talked about the, uh, the, the uh, impending Bay of Pigs. They talked about uh, uh, attempting to assassinate Castro. Uh, bases in Cuba. Who, let, me, let me play devil's advocate here. Who would talk to Marilyn Monroe, taking Marilyn Monroe to bed, and talk about politics? Two two horny guys. At, at no, they time. wouldn't. They'd make love to her. I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm I sorry. Can, I I don't consider myself a lover, but I consider myself a lover. I yeah. never took a lady to bed, wanted to make love to her, and said, "Did you read the newspapers tonight? Did you read that? Where does this I, come from?" Oh, I turn on the music, we drink some booze, and make love. You know, we're all different, and I can see these these Kennedys with their egos talking about what, what they can do and what they will do. And once it's said, it's said. And it's known as pillow talk. They call it pillow talk for a reason. Wow. And that was something else. If she was considered a loose cannon, and if our theory, speaking about you and I, is correct, and it's only a theory, we, we, we're not supporting this by anything except what we're telling you listeners tonight, is that they were afraid she was a loose cannon. She blew up in, in Cal Neva a couple of days before that, and she had to go. And it's, it's, it's logical. It's also logical that she could have accidentally killed herself. No, but see, what's logical is n not about the pillow talk. Let's eradicate that completely a minute. What's logical, she said, I'm going to the press to disclose the Kennedys. Robert Kennedy could not, being the attorney general, have out there that he, he impregnated Marilyn Monroe and she aborted the baby. And, I mean, these two brothers are running the, the United States. Well, let's just say, for the sake of argument, I'll be a devil's advocate now. What happens if they did, in, in the course of having a couple of cocktails, sex, pillow talk, say something to this effect? And, and she says this, and it's got to be true, because if she says it, she's the only person outside of those two brothers and people in government that know it. It takes one sentence two sentences that's it uh, just just saying something as soon as it passes your lips you're sorry you said it yeah but the but rumor the, the rumor of the bay of pigs was all over the news i'm talking about before it happened I, they never happened the bay of pigs was called off no it wasn't there was an invasion <laughs> but they 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 had an invasion but not to the extent that they said they didn't. I mean, well, what what happened was once there was there was about twelve hundred 
uh, uh, Cuban exiles that invaded, they were promised air cover by, by John Kennedy and they didn't get it. Right. Uh, but that was that was a decision based on what was going on at that time when 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 Kennedy said we will supply you with air cover is one of the reasons that the invasion took place in the first place. Because uh, you had to have either artillery or air cover. And if you're going to land by, if, if you're going to if you're going to land on a beach, the only way to get cover is with artillery from ships, which of course you couldn't you, you couldn't bring the U.S. Navy down there. But they can have planes supplying air cover. And he said these guys are losing, and there's nothing we can possibly do to help them. I'm not going to give them the air cover. That was a spur of the moment decision. It was a historic decision. And uh, Kennedy, he had a choice. Now let me ask you a question: Where did you get that information? Oh, it's part of history. I mean, you've read it numerous places. I know, places. newspapers. No, no, not newspapers. Uh, historical uh, 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 books, but, you know, by 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 uh, by prominent authors. Okay. This wasn't something that that's just been. Gee, this is, sounds like something he would have done. This is it, on the record. People have supported this. They said he called off air support for this, and they're blaming John Kennedy for the failure of, of the Bay of Pigs invasion. And in my estimation, he probably made the right decision because it may have started World War III. If they were winning, it was a different story. They were confined to the beach. They never made it any further than the beach. They weren't. They didn't get inland at all. They were trapped there. But they, they, were, they were invading what? What island? Hello. Cuba. How is it going to be a third world war over Cuba? Because we're because we're supplying we're invading a sovereign nation. We've never done that ever. You you do that. The Japanese did it to us in Pearl Harbor. What happened? World War Two. You can't you can't invade a, a sovereign nation because you're supporting people who are uh, are also invading a sovereign nation. Look, you've got uh, twelve hundred freedom fighters who have no connection, allegedly, with the United States. It would have been found out later, but then it would be too late. Had they have won, had they have gone in, taken over the government, who cares where they're from then? But now they're losing. They didn't get off the beachhead. There was no way they could have sent a, 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 a squadron of B-52s. They were still never getting past that beachhead. Let me, ex- let, let me explain you something that I heard right on from Santo Traficante, and Johnny Roselli, who was friends with Fidel Castro, and who these two guys were trained by the United States Marines. As you pointed out one time, they were coming up with every theory for two years after they didn't invade Cuba. But get poison powder for his beard, they're going to poison his food, oh, yeah, his yeah, cigars. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, yeah, they did all that. But keep in mind, that invasion took place. It just failed. I know, but it... Yeah. The failure was inevitable. Because you know, had they have gotten they were, inland, no, they found out, the intel found there was no Russian missiles. That's when they were going to back them. There was so, bullshit. There was no missiles there. There were Russian missiles or not? They invaded the country. Twelve hundred armed soldiers. They didn't get anywhere. No, My, we, we didn't. These rebels did that wanted to take the yeah. island back. Yeah, my contention is though, had they have gotten a foothold in that island, they would have gotten their air cover. Well, they They're, would have got everything because then we would have took it over and got the casinos back. Exactly. So No, but I'm saying with the bullshit, was, the scandal that they started was to plant that there was missiles there. When they found out there's nothing there, 
the American government had egg all over their face, like you just said, because you got 1,200 people going to take over a country? Well, it's, hey, look, it, it, they could have done it. They could have done it. It failed. It was simple. But what they're, they're, they're blaming John Kennedy. For, I'm, look, I'm not a John Kennedy fan, particularly after what I've learned through all those years of, of writing and, and research. I'm not right. a fan of the Kennedys at all. But he made a tactical decision not to do it because it wouldn't have done any good. It would have started. It could have started World War Three because the Russians would have come to the aid of Castro immediately because he was a communist anyway and was getting aid from Russia. It would have been a debacle, ninety miles off the coast of Florida. No, so he made the right decision, but they blamed him for it. Had you have supplied the air cover, we would have won. I don't think so, but then again, I'm not a general. At least not today. I plan on being one tomorrow. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, th- this this Mal Monroe controversy is going to be just that. You know, we have given you uh, what we've what we found out, and this stuff has not been published. It's just information from uh, reading books, what people said, quoted, uh, and this was not included in the documentary. Should you look at this documentary? Sure, you can. You should look at it, see what this guy has to say. But understand, it's one side of the story. It makes a good story. He couldn't end the documentary as any documentarian would. Not say, okay, this is my end of the story, but it may not be right. You'll never hear that in a documentary. This is, these are the facts, believe them. And that's the way documentaries are. They're entertaining as hell, but they're not historical films. But uh, this is is a head scratch. We're never going to know. I I have a funny feeling you're right. (laughs) Yeah. Because yeah, I, I think so. they just keep right. It's it's funny because you know I I met one of the one of the Kennedy boys right after our book came out, and uh, at the Metropolitan Club he's a member there, and he said to me I I really like the way you handled our family in the book. I said I, I didn't even really touch on your family. In book. That's why he liked it. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, they, you, you want to hold uh, people up on, 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 on pedestals. And back in, in the 50s and 60s, before that, yeah, you can do that. FDR, no one even knew that the guy was confined to a freaking wheelchair. I know. I mean, you know, it, we, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have the television coverage. I mean, the, the, the Vietnam War was the first war that we can actually sit and watch in, in, in our living room on a 6 o'clock news every night. Right. Live from the battlefield. I mean, times change. If the Kennedys were trying to pull off what they're trying to pull off now, uh, then now, particularly oh, with this Me Too movement, with cameras, rid of anything, forget them. Oh, you know, I mean, every politician that that even says oh, hello sideways to a woman is losing their jobs. Can you imagine what they would have done to the Kennedys? Oh my God, geez. No. But anyway, that's then, and this is now. This is part of history, and we're just going to have to wonder. Maybe uh, one day when. Uh, we're in a, another universe. We'll get the answers to all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing I mean, again, like so many people, like me being one of them, is a Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe sympathist. I really don't like the way they treated her, what they say about her. I, I, I don't blame you. And uh, you know, I got to know you, her a little, and it's it's, it's sad. When you're dead, you can't defend yourself. Right. The idiot's going no. to play. Well, another great show, sir. On that happy note. On that happy note. And to all our friends, please tune in. As you can tell, we are producing shows based on your email suggestions. 
Yeah, once again, we thank uh, Eddie Soto for this uh, story idea. Oh, yeah, please. That. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back next week. Keep your cards and letters coming in. Be safe. God bless you. Good night, Pat. Good night, Jerry. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but Thank just you call for tuning me. in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Horan, with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you'd like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night. Tell me and I'll be around. I'll be around.